of hurt and pain my heart cried all his vain i lost all my will to live too many times i tried too many times i failed and it only brought tears and shame then i saw that old cross where i won through his loss and i knew one more time where his strength became mine that's when calvary came through once again when i'd lost all my courage to win just when i thought i'd been defeated the cross was all i needed that's when calvary came through once again from the stable to the grave my savior gave and gave his life as a final price now i cherish that tree where i found victory conquering hell and our foes praise his name he arose that's when calvary came through once again when i'd lost all my courage to win just when i thought i'd been defeated the cross was all i needed that's when calvary came through once again and i will glory in the cross in the cross lest his suffering all be in vain and i will weep no more for the cross that he bore i will glory in the cross just when i thought i'd been defeated the cross was all i needed that's when calvary came through once again again to think about this sometimes we come on Sunday and we put our Sunday best on and we think everything's okay and can I say this to you that I know some people in our in our church brother Donald take that shut that off would you some people in our church are struggling I talked to one of the dearest ladies in our church this week and this conversation went something like this Pastor, I don't know where I'm at. I feel like God's left me. I just don't know what to do. I don't want to see people. I don't want to be around people. 
Preacher, I just don't know what to do. Can I say this to you? Now listen to this. Christian people get that way sometimes. We get discouraged. We get defeated. All right? And I want you to think about this and this. I just, Brother Josh, if you could do this. And Miss Karen, you need to get back up here. Do this if you would. I want you to go back to the first verse. I was looking at the words of this first verse. And maybe unbeknownst to pastor or others here, you just say, preacher, that's kind of where I'm at. Can I just encourage you uh, that in Christ we can be victors and not to quit, to stay faithful. God's going to come through. I want, you, I want Brother Stephen and, and Rebecca and, and Miss Karen at the piano, I want you to do this if you would please. And I want us to focus our attention just on the first verse and then if you'll go into the ending, Brother Stephen, into the course and the ending. And if you are one of those that are here today and just think, Preacher, that's me. I want you to go back to the words of this song as they sing. And just ask the Lord to help and strengthen you and that you might rest in His strength and not your own. All right? days of hurt and pain my heart cried all is vain I lost all my will to live too many times I tried too many times I failed and it only brought tears and shame then i saw that old cross where i won through his loss and i knew one more time there his strength became mine that's when calvary came through once again lost all my courage to win just when I thought I'd been defeated the cross was all I needed that's when Calvary came through once again and I will glory in the cross in the cross his suffering all be in vain. I will weep no more for the cross that he bore. I will glory in the cross. Just when I thought I'd been defeated, the cross was all I needed. That's when Calvary came through once again, again. Amen. Thank you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, help us this morning. Lift the burdened heart. Help them to understand we are more than victors and more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. 
Now, Lord, I pray that we would gather and gain our strength from you. Now, direct our attention to a vital part of the Christmas story as we look again at the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Help me as I teach in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm reading from a religious publication. I use that word lightly. If there is a doctrine that we hold that is under satanic attack, I know of none more more frequent attack or violent attack than that of the virgin birth. The Christian faith rises and falls on the legitimacy of the virgin birth. But this is a Christian, uh, supposedly, that I'm writing from, and the title, the author says this, far too much rests on the notions of Mary's purity. In the second century, the Greek writer Celsius wrote a book about how that we know Jesus was an illegitimate child of Mary and a Roman soldier. This is what's taught for Christianity on college campuses. He goes on to say, in Christianity, purity is abolished. That the cult of Mary's virginity came to play such a large role in the development of the Christianity is a testament to the powerful hold that purity has on religious imagination. All, and here's he, he wraps up with this. Most Bible scholars agree that virgin is probably a mistranslation of the Hebrew word for young woman. Can I say this to you? I know a lot of you say, Preacher, you're kind of narrow-minded. A lot of pastors and churches no longer believe, even Baptists no longer believe, and well, just any Bible is, is welcomed in our teaching and preaching. Can I help you to understand in Isaiah chapter 7 and Matthew chapter 1, when it says very, very plainly, prophetically, that a virgin will conceive. Most of the new translations if they don't change the word virgin to young woman, if they go ahead and use woman, I mean virgin, down at the bottom in the footnotes will say this, young woman. Can I say this to you? I don't know how many, Stephanie. There were young women that gave birth at Parkview Medical Center this week. There were no virgins. Are you following me? It is a different, there's a reason that we hold to one Bible because our Bible gets it right. How many of you believe that, that our Savior was virgin born? Amen. Turn with me if you would in John chapter 1. We'll use a lot of scripture today. The virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 1. If you look together please in verse number 14. And the word... Speaking of Jesus, who was made flesh, that's what the Christmas story is, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. It should concern us, or should it, that we cannot explain the virgin birth. Can you explain it? I can't explain it. The Bible said, the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. The seed does not come from the woman, never, ever does. The seed comes from man. But the Bible made no mistake when it said the seed of the woman. Can you explain to me what blood flowed in Jesus' body? 
Can you explain to me how Mary was, I can't think, was the earthly vessel through whom Christ would be born, but it should not, it, it should not exasperate us, it should not worry us that we could not explain. Maybe we should join with Mary and asking, how can this be? I don't know. Or maybe it is that we join the angel that says, with God all things are possible. If we have difficulty believing the virgin birth and our real difficulty is that our God is not real at all and much too small. The God of the Word says that Jesus was born of a virgin, not a young woman. And so what does this look like, this saving ministry? Look at Luke chapter number 2. And why is it necessary? Now we're going to go a little bit deeper. Why is it necessary for Christ to be born of a virgin because of what He came to do? If you look in Luke chapter number 2 and look at verse number, and let's put this up on the screen. There was in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. I can't wait till next Sunday night's message. I've been studying this anew. And I, the Lord shed some light on what those shepherds are doing. Were they just shepherds that have to be, happened to be there? What are they doing? And boy, I studied it and just warmed my heart. I came back up last night after looking at next week's a little bit, and I told Kathy and, and Karen, said, boy, it's a, I learned some things that, I, that are wonderful about this time. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. This is a Christmas story, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a leader, a prophet, a what? A Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Now watch this. Glory to God in the highest. And on the earth, peace, goodwill. Let me say this to you. Jesus Christ came to be the Savior of mankind. So if Satan can attack this thing of the virgin birth, if he can make us believe that in fact Mary was not a virgin and, and that Christ was the lineage of a Roman soldier and, and Mary herself, then we don't have a Savior. But I want you to look at this, the saving ministry of Christ. God being made flesh is called the incarnation. The incarnation and the virgin birth were necessary for our salvation. Why? Go back with me in your mind to the very beginning in chapter 3 of Genesis of our Bible. God made a man and a woman, and he placed them in a perfect environment. And he told them, you can eat of every tree of the garden, but except one tree, you shall not eat of it. And then he said, if you eat of it, what shall happen? Thou shalt surely die. Did Adam and Eve, the day they ate, did they die physically? No, but they died spiritually. Mankind sinned. God gave Adam and Eve dominion in the Garden of Eden. They sinned and lost that dominion. Man turned that dominion over to Satan. And rather than being servants of God, we became servants of Satan. So it was not far from Genesis chapter 3. You'll find out that Satan now has a servant in Cain. And Cain hated his brother and killed his brother. We used to be servants of God, and now we are servants of Satan. The entire human race became infected with sin. 
Our dominion was lost by a man. And the only way it can be returned to us is by another man. Jesus Christ, the last Adam, was born of a virgin to undo what the first Adam did. Apart from the virgin birth, there is no hope of salvation. You see, each and every one of us are descendants of Adam. And the Bible says in Romans 5, 12, Wherefore is by one man sin into the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for all have sin. We're all sinners. And we all need a Savior. Sin must be paid for. And that we call atoned. Sin must be atoned for by shed blood. Leviticus tells us, without the shedding of blood, there is no what? That's why we say to you, well-meaning parents may have taken you and had you baptized as a little baby, but there's no remission of sins without the shedding of blood. And that blood was shed on Calvary's cross, and the singers just sung about that, but you think about this, sin must be atoned for. God in spirit has no blood. Now follow me. The Old Testament was laid down that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. But God is a spirit, and a spirit has no blood. So how could Jesus die for our sin? Not just any man could atone. He must be a perfect man. He must be a sinless man. What did Pilate say of Jesus Christ? I find what? Do you think that Pilate wanted to find some fault in Jesus? Yes, he did, but he examined him. And can I say this to you? If you're in this room and you don't know Christ as Savior, if you will examine the teaching and the life of the Lord Jesus Christ based on the Word of God, you too will come to the same conclusion Pilate did. I find no fault in him. This theologian finds fault in our Savior. And he is teaching men and, 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 and those young men how to conduct his service for Christ, but, and he finds fault in though he must be a perfect man, he must be a sinless, he must be innocent. So no son of Adam would qualify, right? That's why no religious leader can pay for your sins, no rabbi, priest, bishop, pope, nobody can pay for your sins because we're all sons of Adam, and we're all affected by sin, and sin must be paid for. We're all sinners by birth, we're sinners by choice, we're sinners by practice, and we're sinners by nature. If you do nothing more than be born and follow the natural instincts of your heart, you will destroy yourself because we have a sinful Adamic nature. Had Jesus Christ been born as we were born, he would be a son of Adam. Had he been a son of Adam, he would have been a sinner. Had he been a sinner, he could not be innocent. Had he not been innocent, he can't be your substitute of mine. He can't atone for your sins or mine. Do you see how important the virgin birth is? And so I can tell you this, that this religious leader and many others are wrong. And many new versions of the Bible are wrong when they say that our Savior was born of a young woman. Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. John 3, 16, say it with me if you want us to, and I can say this to you, God wants us all to be saved. You don't have to wonder whether or not you're elected, whether or not you're predestined. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Say it with me if you know it, I'll start it. John 3, 16, for God, oh, he put it up on the screen, that's cheating. For God so loved the world that he what? 
gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. God wants us to be saved one and all. God's answer then to man's sinful condition is a sinless, perfect man, the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is both truly human and, and, and fully sinless. He's the only man that can make that claim. His blood is sinless blood. Mary's blood, now I want you to follow me, was not in him. A little baby, they tell us this, in mother's womb, may have one type while her mother has another type. Is that true, Miss Stephanie? So Christ, in Mary's womb, could have a different type of blood than, she, than his mother had. The bloodline is determined by the Father. I want you to go with me. Verse, uh, Josh, Brother Josh, is Acts 20 in there? Is it in there? If not, I don't remember. Look at this. Now watch this. This doesn't seem to have anything to say about the virgin birth. Acts chapter 20 says, Take heed thereunto unto yourselves and to all the flock. You're the flock. You're sheep. You're sheep. All right? Over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. Jesus purchased our redemption with his own blood. Now, wait a minute. If he's born of man, that's sinful blood. It's not innocent blood. But we know that he was not. Jesus came as he did, born of a virgin, to do what he was to do. Sinless, to, I mean, to, uh, to be what he was supposed to be. Sinless to do what he did. Die a substitutionary death and to atone for our sins. If you're in this room this morning, we said John 3, 16, whosoever believeth on him should not perish. There's only two groups of religion in the world, do and done. If you're doing something to get to heaven, then that's works. But if you say, I can't do anything because I'm sinful, but I trust what Jesus has done for me on Calvary's cross, that's done. It is finished. He paid the price. He atoned for your sins. Amen. He did what, that, what he did that we might be born again and go to heaven. No sinless sacrifice, no atonement, no atonement, no new birth, no new birth, no hope of heaven. He came to earth so we might go to heaven. Isn't that good? God became man. This is the Christmas story. He came to earth so one day we might go to heaven. Is it your hope? I think about this. Last Wednesday we had a service here and I tried, you know, you can understand and you can pick up that in Brother Phil Wolford's heart. You can understand his wife, his mate of 68 years, he's lost without her. Brother Bliss, as he conducted that service, reminded us there is this place called heaven Amen. that we will go and see our loved ones again. Some of you ladies in here have laid a, a little baby in an early grave. Some of you, like I have mama and daddy and a lot of my family in the last several years, many brothers and many sisters, but I can tell you this, I can see him again. The last conversation I had with my brother before I left for the last time at a kitchen table, I said, Bill, I got to know this. I got to know this before I go home. Look me in the eyes and help me to understand the 
know that you know that you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, Bill, because it looks like to us this cancer is not going to be healed. And he said this. He said, Gordon, when I was a young man, I accepted the Lord as my Savior in Temple Baptist Church. I know Jesus is my Savior. I think about this. I watched as that cancer racked and ruined his body. I saw the tubes going into and out of his back. And I saw as he lost the capability to do and function as he did. But I understand this. The next time I see my brother, he's going to be just fine. You say, preacher, I wish I could believe that it is true. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and receive you. Mendel's law of genetics states that every individual is the sum total of the genetic characteristics, recessive or do, uh, dominant, of his two parents. People tell me this sometimes. He, they say, Gordon, you sound just like your dad. I say, oh, please don't tell me that. And then it's even scarier, Brother Jim, when they tell me this. You're beginning to look like your dad. <laughs> oh, no. Mirror, mirror on the wall, I am my father after all. All right, and that's what Mendel's Law is talking about. But let's look at how does that apply. All that is in your father and mother is in you. All right? Jesus' father is truly God. True? Now think about this. Jesus' mother is truly human. So God, Jesus then is God veiled in human flesh. That really is a Christian. I like it like you do. I like the trees and the tinsel and the lights and the gifts and family. I love it all. Christmas is my favorite time of the year. But truth of the matter, enjoy that as you will. But in our mind and our heart, may we remember the Christmas story is all about Jesus coming to earth. And he came for a purpose and a reason. He's not half God and half man. He's not all God and no man. He's not all man and no God. He's the only begotten Son of God and the only one qualified to die on the cross and atone for your sins and mine. The virgin birth of Jesus Christ is good news to all people. The sovereignty or the majesty of His birth. Look in your Bible, Luke 1. Go with me as you see there, Luke chapter 1. Go back to verse number 30. It says, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and shalt bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. You think about this. The Old Testament name for Jesus is Joshua. And Joshua means Jehovah saves. Does Jesus save? He does, doesn't he? The Bible said we put that, that terminology out, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse number 8. As the Son of God, Jesus Christ shares the nature of His Father. The Lord Jesus is the earthly child of a heavenly father and the heavenly child of an earthly mother. Figure it out. I can't. And neither can you. But I ask you this this morning. Do you believe it? I believe it. And that's a Christmas story. God became man in Bethlehem's manger some 2,000 years ago. So we say this. Jesus did not begin with Mary in Bethlehem. He did not begin. He is as ageless as his father and he's older than his mother. The Lord Jesus Christ has come to rule and reign and he's coming back again. Isaiah 9, do we have that one, Brother Josh? He's coming for unto us a child is born... Unto us a son is given. 
And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Our Jehovah's friends have a hard time with that verse, as do the Mormons. Have a hard time with that verse. Is Jesus God? Yes, yes He is. Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The Lord Jesus has come to rule and reign, and He's going to come back again. There can be no peace. Is there peace on earth right now? Did you hear what I heard this morning? In Pensacola, Florida, we lost three of our naval officers this week. For a Saudi national came for no other reason than take the life of an American citizen. They arrested 10 others. They actually had a party the day before. They gathered together and watched videos on mass shootings of American people. And then they put their plan in action. And there's one that is out there that they cannot find at this point. I saw that on the news this morning. I saw yesterday that 19 cartels down in Mexico literally came in and gunned and killed people. And you look at the bad news and the bad news and the bad news and you think, peace. Now watch it. The Prince of Peace is not set up his rule and reign yet. But when he does, there will be peace on earth. The Prince of Peace is coming, and the Lord Jesus Christ is that peace. There can be no real peace without the Prince of Peace. The answer to the world's problems is the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's wrap it up. The hope of the individual and the church and the family and the nation is Jesus Christ. That's our hope. So what does that look like? The Lord Jesus has come as our Savior and our protector. We should be so excited about the Lord Jesus that we want to tell others about them. I hope that you'll take, you say, preacher, we all know this. I've studied it out and, and Jesus really didn't come on December the 25th. I've studied it like you have. But I think whether or not you believe that or not, the world believes that this is around the time Christ come. Use it as a time to share your faith. We should be so excited that we should share our faith. Look at Isaiah 53. The whole purpose of the virgin birth is wrapped up in his substitutionary death. Jesus died for you. I'm turning there to Isaiah chapter number 53. Jesus died for who? All we like sheep have gone astray. Not you. It's not you, is it? Yes, it's all of us. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus died not with his own sins on Calvary's cross, but with your sins and with mine. Each of us is a sinner. God will not overlook sin. We are destined and doomed to an eternity without Christ. If something is not done about our sins... But I'm glad to tell you this morning that something has been done for your sins and mine. Jesus paid for him by death on the cross. And it started with a little babe in Bethlehem's manger. Because of your sins and mine, Jesus had to leave heaven's glory and come as a little baby to Bethlehem's manger. So when you read as I do, and sometimes you may even have a preacher of the gospel so say, 
that sheds light. He may even announce a text in his Bible and have you turn in one of those Bibles and it will say of Mary that she's a young woman, not a virgin at all. That is not true. Because just with a young woman, we don't have a Savior. We don't have somebody who can atone for our sins. But Jesus came. Preacher, can you explain it? I really can't. But I believe it. By faith. And does not the Bible say in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6, He that cometh to God must believe that He is, and what? That He's a reward of them that diligently seek Him. Without faith, it is what? Impossible to please Him. There's elements of our faith that I cannot explain like I'd like to explain it. But I know it to be true. I ask you this very simply this morning then. Do you know Jesus personally? I look back and we teach on this so many times when we examine the Paschal Lamb, the Passover Lamb in Exodus chapter number 12. It takes three different steps in Exodus 12. It says, A Lamb, I ask you this this morning. Is Jesus the Lamb of God? John 1, I think at verse number 29, John the Baptist saw Jesus and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, a Lamb, the Lamb. There's not two. It's not Jesus plus Muhammad. It's not Jesus plus. There's just one Lamb. A Lamb, Exodus 12, John 1, the Lamb. But then the Bible says, every man shall take a Lamb unto himself. Is Jesus your Lamb? When did you, like me, when I was 12 years old, just said, I believe this, and by faith, I'm going to trust Jesus Christ as my payment for sin. And he became your lamb. Not a lamb, not the lamb. He became your lamb.